This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Okay, welcome back. We are switching gears. We are going to talk about money. And what are some of the common mistakes that Zoomers make when it comes to investing? And we have a very low interest rate environment here. So gone are the days when you could retire and and put your money in a nice fat GIC that was going to give you a nice amount of income uh, with this low interest rate environment. Basically, you have to keep investing just to stay ahead of inflation. My guest now is Alan Small from the Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. And he's joining me and we're going to talk about some of the ways to maximize your investments. We're going to be taking your calls. So don't be shy. If you have any questions, if you want to run anything by Alan, he is an expert. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Alan, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so first, what are some of the common mistakes that retirees make? Well, I think uh, a couple of mistakes that I see quite often. Uh, Number one is that a lot of retirees believe that they can't afford to be in the market currently, that they don't have enough time to be in the market. They've just obviously retired from their job. And they think that they have to be a little bit more safe in their investments. And as you said, unfortunately, GICs uh, just don't cut it these days. But really, when you think about it, I haven't really met anybody who required all their money at one shot when they retired. You're going to probably be investing for some time to come. Average life expectancy, 80, 85 years of age. And so if you are in your mid-60s and retiring, you're probably going to still need to draw on your money for the next 20 or so years. So what ends up happening is you draw a little bit out each year and the remaining portion stays invested. So unlike what a lot of people think, you actually will be investing still for the long term, maybe another 10, 15, 20 years. So I think that's a mistake that uh, that retirees make. You know, in the end, it's it's a matter of your gut feeling. A lot of people are quite conservative and, and they say, well, gee, but I'm, I'm worried about risking that money because if there's a big drop in the market, if there's a correction, then I don't really have time to recover from that. Yeah, and I get that, uh, that answer as well. But um, when you look at uh, the other option or the alternative, which is the second mistake I see quite often is a lot of individuals will say to me, well, I know I'm not making a whole lot on GICs or bonds, but at least I'm making something and not losing. Well, in fact, you actually are losing uh-huh, because yes. the, you know inflation runs in and around 2% on an annual basis. The average GIC on a one-year basis is less than that. Bonds are less than that. And that doesn't even take into account the taxes you have to pay on the interest income. So unfortunately, today, it really depends on the person. If the person has a lot of money that they don't need to see the growth over, I guess, the next 10, 15, 20 years, then perhaps they can get by with a small loss on their investments. But for most of us, 
we still need to see a return that is at least the inflation rate or even a little bit better. And so unfortunately, that means that you'll have to take on some sort of investment in the market. Obviously, there are investments that are more conservative than others, but you will have to be in the market to see some sort of growth. Well, exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that's going along with this these days and and I've uh, found it pretty shocking. And that's that, you know, again, back in the old days when you could just sock your money in a GIC, uh, when people retired or or semi-retired or almost semi-retired, they didn't have debt. Now, Zoomers have debt. Absolutely. And, you know, the statistics clearly show that for every dollar we spend here in Canada, we're borrowing. The average person's borrowing up to $1.70. Now, I know a lot of Zoomers may not be in that situation. It might be more, uh, you know, the millennials, for example. But overall, we are definitely borrowing a lot more money. Expenses are going up. And unfortunately, because interest rates are so low, the money that we're getting on a, uh, on the amount of money we keep in a bank account or in something that is considered, quote-unquote, low-risk or safer, is just not cutting it. Our expenses are a lot more. Our rent our expenses for our home, wherever it, whatever it may be, is a lot more than what we're actually making on these more lower-risk investments. And so that presents a problem for especially most uh, most Zoomers. Well, I know, and, and a lot of Zoomers still have mortgages, and a lot of uh, Zoomers also have uh, these homeowners' line of credit. And with low interest, it is so cheap to borrow money, uh, especially if you're borrowing it against your home. And it's uh, easy. I mean, there was just a warning uh, from financial authorities about people using their homes as a piggy bank. Yeah, it's very easy, as you said. You know, mortgage rates today, you can get a mortgage uh, under 3% quite easily, 2.6, 2.7. And when you look at all the different types of things you could do with that money, um, you can get, usually get a rate of return that is at least that, maybe even a little bit better on a conservative growth investment. And so there are a lot of people who have borrowed uh, against their home. Some people have borrowed against their home. I've seen clients of mine, for example, have actually helped out their children, their yeah. adult children, and they've had to take on loans late in life to help their adult children. So, you know, something we see quite often. And so you are correct. A lot of Zoomers today carry a lot more debt than they once did. Okay, so uh, all of that to keep in mind. Uh, There are risks in the market. Uh, let's talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Trump, I guess, keeps us uh, keeps us on our toes. And so, yeah, there are a lot of risks going on right now. I think the majority of investors today, I think they're a little bit nervous about what's going on in Washington. You know, you see what's going on there, the politics. You also look at uh, geopolitical risks, such as what's going on in different parts of the world, North Korea, Russia, etc. And then you talk interest rates. Well, we know or we assume that this coming week, the United States will raise interest rates once again. And they're thinking about raising it another two times. Well, what does that do? Well, it doesn't really affect our markets per se, but it will affect our dollar, which has been going down quite substantially. So a lot of individuals, especially like myself, expect the dollar to become more weak as well. So there are a lot of risks out there from interest rate risk. There's geopolitical risk, political risk. And I think as an investor, you just I think you want to stay optimistic, but you want to be cautiously optimistic. And so I think you still want to stay in this market, but I think you definitely need to take the steps to make sure your portfolio is protected as possible. You know, it's interesting. Our listeners have a lot of very strong feelings about Donald Trump, both pro and some against. Uh, But I bet, you know, most people didn't think that he was going to have an impact on their 
portfolios. Uh, so once again, the numbers to call if you have a comment um, about Donald Trump and your portfolio or anything else related to your retirement nest egg, the number is 416 360 0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with Alan Small from the Alan Small Financial Group, and we're talking about your money. Uh, And Alan, uh, we're going to have to take a break soon, but before we go to break, so what are some of the types of investments that you recommend where people can make a little bit of money without taking on too much risk? And that's a great question. And I think it comes down to really diversification. So not necessarily the investments themselves, but I think in today's market, when the risks are high at times, but not always there, and I think you still want to stay in this market, I think the best way to do it is through diversification. So you want to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of everything, if you can, uh, eggs in different baskets. At the same time, I also think that when, it, when you do have a profit, I think you want to take that profit. To sit on a profit and think it's just going to go up and up and up forever, I think that is a mistake as well. Because as we've seen, the markets can be quite volatile. And talking or speaking about Donald Trump uh, just a few weeks ago when it was thought by investors that his agenda wouldn't be pushed through his reduction in taxes, deregulation, health care. When we thought maybe this is not going to be put through for the next maybe 12 months or greater, the market sold off substantially. So I think there's always the risk for that to happen, a sell-off based on Mr. Trump and his administration. So I think you need to be diversified. I think you need to take profits and move that money around into different areas and not just you know buy and hold. I think that strategy is no longer valid. Uh-huh. And um, how often should people take profits? Because uh, every time you take profits, there are costs involved with that. There's fees involved with selling your stocks, and there can be tax uh, tax ramifications. So it's, is it something you recommend doing often or how, how do you do that? A great question. I think when you, the time to take profits is really when your investment reaches its target. So as an investment advisor, when I make an uh, investment recommendation and the client agrees and I go ahead and buy that investment, I always tell the client or in my head, I have uh, a target for that investment. So let's say it's as simple as buying stock in a bank, let's say CIBC bank. Uh, or let's buy, uh, you know, Facebook or, or let's say uh, an oil company or whatever, you know, people may be familiar with Starbucks. You know, when you buy into uh, an investment, you have a target for that investment. Once that target is met, then you evaluate once again, is it good to take some profit off the table? Is it good to sell the whole thing? Or, or is it good maybe just to keep leaving that money in there because maybe that investment will continue to grow? So I don't think it's a necessarily a time frame. I think it's just a matter of setting your targets, setting expectations when those are met to the down or to the upside, that's when you have to reevaluate and possibly make a sell. Okay. Uh, We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back afterwards. Before we go, the numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I'm here with Alan Small from the Alan Small Financial Group. We're talking about your money. It's important. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We're talking about your money. I'm here with Alan Small from the Alan Small Financial Group with Hollis Wealth. 
Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so we've been talking about the need to invest, the need to diversify. Um, what are the kinds of investments that you like in this environment? Uh, and again, it's a great question. I think a lot of my uh, uh, Zoomers or retirees, I, I think what we've seen or what I've seen happening is because, as we've said, interest rates are so low, a number of them have moved into the markets themselves. And, and, and the first investment that seems to pop up would be the banks. A lot of people feel comfortable with our banks. They pay a very good dividend, so you actually get an income from them every three months. Um, and it just makes sense. You know, everyone knows our banks, pretty much our top five control uh, you know, all the money or most of the money in our country. And they feel comfortable. They know that the Royal Bank isn't going to disappear tomorrow. So a lot of individual investors have been, uh, have been um, you know, uh, putting some money into the banks to compensate or to offset some of their uh, their fixed income or their bonds and GICs. Well, yeah, I, I was going to ask about, I mean, some sometimes people have an entire part of their portfolio in dividend-bearing stocks because it, it kind of protects you because even if the stock goes down a bit, you're still getting a dividend. Absolutely. And dividends, as we know, uh, are taxed much right. better than, than interest income. So it's definitely the next step if you want to move from from just that you know regular fixed income, making the one, two, maybe two and a half percent. And then you want to now get into more, you know, that six to or seven to 10 percent range because who does it? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> great. So, you know, when you think about it, let's take CIBC, it's paying a dividend of just under five percent. If the stock itself were just to increase by 5% over the course of the year, so to go from, let's say, it was $100, it's a little more than that now, but let's say it was $100, if it goes from 100 to 105 there's your 5% growth plus a 5% dividend, and there's your 10% return. So in theory, it sounds very, very plausible. It's, it's, it's a, it doesn't seem like it's a difficult thing to happen. Obviously, the reality is, you know, it could go up and down many times. But And well, they, the dividend could be cut? Or uh, well, increased. It, it could be, although banks have never cut their dividends in our country. They've only increased over time. So that is another thing individuals like. banks, Canadian bank stocks have never reduced their dividends. So definitely a positive if you look back in history. So what are, what are the risks? Well, the risks are obviously the fluctuation of the share price. Uh, obvi- you know, we saw what happened in 2008. Uh, bank stocks, both in the United States and in Canada, uh, were hit fairly sharply. However, look at 2009, our bank stocks doubled in value, so they bounced back quite substantially. So again, another reason why you, uh, many individual investors, especially Zoomers, have looked towards bank stocks as an alternative uh, to bonds and GICs. Mm-hmm. I uh, want to talk a little bit about TFSAs, tax-free savings accounts. Uh, you know, one of the things that's important in, in retirement, you know, you have your what you've saved in your RSP, hopefully, or a pension. Uh, but when you take that money out, which you put in as a tax shelter, you're going to be taxed on it. So uh, a lot of people really like the idea of having a, a TFSA, which is money that you can draw out tax-free because you've already paid the tax on it. Absolutely. And I think it's a great plan because the, the limits now have gone up substantially. Each person's able to put in up to $52,000. So you have a husband and wife, you're now talking over $100,000 of investable assets. So you can put that money into a tax-free savings account and whatever you earn, 
you don't have to pay any tax on it. You know, when it, the plan first came out at $5,000, everyone first started, a lot of my investors were saying, $5,000, well, how much can you really make? But now that it is $52,000 per person, that's a lot of money. And so for, you know, for individuals who don't need a tax break, if they're putting money into their RSPs or if they're pulling money out of their RIFs at this point, that's money if you don't need it. You can reinvest it back into a tax-free savings account, and whatever you, you know, whatever money you're making, grows tax-free. And I think that's a very powerful tool going forward for many investors, and it's only going to get larger and larger. Okay. Well, on the subject of uh, TFSAs, let's go to Margaret in Kitchener. Hi, Margaret. Hello. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. We're oh, listening. I, I put the phone away. To put the speakerphone on. Or, no, no. Just oh, I want it off, don't I? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, about the tax-free interest? Yes, tax-free savings account. Go tax ahead. Tax-free savings account. I was into that for about 10 years. It, I don't think we've, we haven't had it for 10 years. Well, I was in it for quite a while, and I contributed quite a bit. You mean, do you mean your RSP? No. Tax-free savings account. Okay, okay. yes. I, I'm on the lowest ladder of, of the OAS. So yes. I thought, well, I don't get out much. I know how to, to manage on what I've got. So I managed to save enough to put in the tax-free interest. Good for you, yes. Okay, so uh, this went on and on. And one day I realized, well, what happens when I die? Because I'm, like, I'm 84. And um, nobody informed me that I had to have uh, beneficiaries. Uh-huh. I was not informed on this. So I went to the bank, and I said I, I needed beneficiaries. And the woman, she took my uh, name and all the beneficiaries, and she, uh, she said there's not enough room because I have six kids, and there wasn't enough space there to put them all in. So uh, she didn't know what to do. I said, just attach a list. Like, I was so dis- disillusioned by this, it, the ignorance of this woman. Well, it, was, it, was it at a bank? Yes. Well, um, you yeah, know, you right. could always ask to see a manager or something if, if uh, I mean, uh, that does sound a little bit much. But, well, yeah, I, I mean, I you need like a, lo- a lot of money in there. Yeah, you, you need to have a, uh, a beneficiary for all of your investments. Alan, would you like to speak to that? Yeah, so uh, it is very possible to put, you know, four or five beneficiaries or however many you would like. Uh, definitely recommend it on registered plans. So your tax-free savings, if you have a RIF account, uh, these are investments or accounts that you can put names okay, can right I, on can them. I, can I finish? Sure. Uh, sure. Okay. So anyways, she took all the names of my uh, kids down. On the, she, she just slopped them on the back as if she didn't know what she was doing. And then I got the feeling that I don't trust this, I, because if I die, I don't know what's going to happen, because she wasn't very clear. And I really, I, I don't think she knew. So anyways, I took all the money out, and it's just sitting in a bank account collecting nothing. And they keep phoning me every once in a while, because it keeps going up and up and up, because I don't get out enough to spend anything. Okay, you know what, Margaret? So first of all, if one employee anywhere that you deal with doesn't give you uh, an answer that you like, just ask to see their superior. That that sounds like an easy problem to solve. Secondly, you can 
have a TFSA invested many different ways, right? You could have Alan investing it in the market. Yeah. Uh, but but basically, whatever you decide to do with that, um, you you should have it in a TFSA where the earnings will be sheltered from tax and and anybody. I mean, you know. In any kind of business interaction, you can meet somebody who's incompetent, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the deal. You just need to do it with somebody else. So, um, I don't, know, Alan, you go ahead, but I would, I would, head, you know, decide what you want to do with that money and just deal with someone else and and uh, have a look at the form and make sure that where it says beneficiary, uh, it looks the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, I had about sixty thousand in there. That's a lot like of money. Collecting like got $20 a month. Yeah. So I thought, what's the sense? Yeah. You, to be on the safe side, I'm just taking it out because I didn't trust it. Well, I mean, and uh, somebody might be able to advise you uh, for something better to do with that $60,000 where you might earn more money. I mean, it sounds like uh, you want it to go to your children anyway. Right. Everything is in my kids' names, and um, I feel safer this way. Uh, I don't trust the TFSA. Well, the TFSA, uh, the TFSA uh, is just a vehicle. Uh, it can be invested many, many different That's ways. That's right. You can use investments on that. I, I understand that. Um, yeah. But I just, there's something about it I just don't trust. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know why. Uh, you just fill out the forms. Margaret, thanks for your call, and I hope you sort that out. Okay, now I hope I get you back on again before you hang up. Because uh, I'm sitting down and I have a remote thing. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a vehicle. It's backed by the government. Uh, there's nothing really to worry about. And again, if you, if, if you happen to run into someone who's incompetent, just go to their boss. Yeah, I think it's just it's unfortunate because that happens to a lot of people. They, they end up... Uh, you know, getting wrong advice or bad advice or told something that just isn't correct. And it turns people off that investment vehicle. And as you said, it's nothing wrong with the tax-free savings account. Perhaps the individual they're speaking to wasn't knowledgeable of how the, the plan works. And so the good news is there are a lot of individuals like myself and many others that help individual investors with their TFSAs on a daily basis. So she could go to uh, many different people to, to help her. That's that's right. I mean, absolutely. And and again, it's it's the vehicle. And and you made uh, a very interesting point, I thought, because uh, another thing that is a bone of contention for many Zoomers is that the government mandates that you have to take out uh, money from your RIF. What was your RSP, whether you need it or not? So if you don't need it, to stick it right back in a TFSA seems like a good idea. Uh, I'm going to try to um, get another call, and we've got uh, Patricia in Etobicoke. Hi, Patricia. Hi. Yes, I'm just replying, really, to sort of Margaret. I took out a will. So I have my beneficiaries in my will. I have a TFSA. I was very fortunate some years ago to find a really good um, financial advisor. So he deals with that. So my TFSA, um, he has it in some sort of closed account so that it can still earn money. And though I have to take out um, my risk 
uh, like some money from my riff every month, from my, uh, which is now um, uh, turned into a riff because it was RSPs. Right. I can put a small amount of that back. And my um, TFSA, I mean, apart from what I'm putting into it, is also earning money in, in interest too. So with reply to Margaret, she's worried about her best beneficiaries. Go and take out a will. That's what I did and named all my beneficiaries and no problems. And that's and that's great. Uh, my advice would be just make sure that the beneficiaries you put on your tax-free savings account are the same as the ones in your will. Because what tends to happen is um, the beneficiaries that you put on a registered plan, so right on the account itself, will take precedent over your will. So if there is some discrepancy, that could be uh, an issue uh, later on. So definitely if you you have a will and you have uh, individuals named in your will, make sure they're the same as the ones named uh, on those registered plans. Oh, I did, because it's, it's, it's only one person that's getting everything anyway, so... <laughs> that's, that <laughs> makes it easy, yeah. That, that makes it easy, as, uh, yeah, I can see why you're worried if there are six kids to uh, divide everything. Uh, but, yeah, that's... Uh, and uh, you've just uh, sort of exemplified what Alan was talking about. You take money out of your RIF, you don't need it right away, and so you put it in a TFSA because, you know, the the worst fear for a lot of people is outliving their money. And, you know, um, living a long time should not be something that we're afraid of. It should be something we're embracing. Absolutely. And people are no, working I, longer. I, I, I agree. And right now, I mean, I'm, um, I'm 74 and I'm in very good health. I don't need medications or anything like this. But down the line, I might need it which is why I still wanted to go into the TFSAs. Well, exactly. Uh, Patricia, thanks so much for your call. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, we are almost out of time. Alan, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I was just going to say that people are working longer. And uh, obviously, if there is money available in coming out of the RIF that is not needed because people are still working, that's a perfect example of when a TFSA could come in handy. And obviously, as I said, the TFSA is such a great plan. It is now large enough that it can make a difference in, in individual investors' lives. We can invest more and more tax-free. Uh, the growth is tax-free. The interest will be tax-free. I think it's a vehicle that everybody should strongly consider. Okay. Alan Small from the Alan Small Financial Group. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.